So Luke 24. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went with them to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see it that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened his minds to under, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them thus it is written that the 
that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word from Genesis all the way through Revelation that reveals to us Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. And so this morning, as we begin this new year, we begin by acknowledging that Jesus, you are the risen Son of God. You are the one who died and rose and ascended in our place so that we have hope now, hope for the forgiveness of sins, hope of new life, hope of eternity with you. And so we just acknowledge that, Jesus. We believe in you. We love you. We treasure you. We put all of our hope in you for any possibility of us escaping the wrath we deserve. And so even now, I pray you would encourage your saints this morning. Use these next few minutes just to encourage us to build our faith, to give us perspective as we look into the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. If somebody could help me, there are some handouts. We're not using projection for the scriptures that I'm going to go to this morning that are not in this passage. I'm going to go to a couple of them, so I thought I'd print them out. There may only be enough for like maybe one per family or two per family at the most. Um, But if you guys could pass those out. Kids can feel free to take one and use the backside for drawing a picture of today's passage if you want. I just want to encourage you this morning with four reminders from the resurrection story. So four reminders. I thought these are the most important things we could probably hear as we think about the new year upon us. And the first one is this. Jesus really rose from the dead. So there it is. There, there's, take that into the new year with us. Jesus really rose from the dead. In verse 34, it says, The Lord has risen indeed. The Lord has risen indeed. There was a confidence here written down. People observed it. Jesus really rose from the dead. In verse 46, Jesus says, To fulfill all that is written in the scripture, On the third day, he rose from the dead. So Jesus really rose from the dead. The law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms were all written thousands of years before Jesus came. Yet somehow, somehow Jesus came along and fulfilled everything that was written about him. And he rose from the dead. And the impact that this had upon them in this story can be seen in verse 22. They were amazed. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. That's the impact 
the resurrection of Jesus should have on our souls, right? It should amaze us. We should be amazed this morning, even though it's not Easter Sunday, that Jesus rose from the dead. In verse 41, we see the word marveling, that it was while they were still even disbelieving for joy and were marveling. We should think about the fact that Jesus was dead in the grave for three days and then rose from the dead, and we should marvel over that. We should marvel, and we should be amazed, astonished. And the reason this is astonishing, not just because somebody who was dead rose from the dead, which is astonishing enough, but the reason that he did it is seen in verse 46. He tells us clearly why Jesus died and rose from the dead. He says this, verse 46, And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. So, 2023, may our souls be amazed, right? Astonished that Jesus died and rose from the grave to make repentance and the forgiveness of sins possible. Um, as we sang about this morning, right? All about the forgiveness of sins. If Jesus hadn't died and rose again, we wouldn't have songs to sing about the guarantee of our opportunity to repent and to experience the forgiveness of sins. That's really good news. <laughs> that good news should permeate our souls. Uh, there, there's so many benefits in scripture of the resurrection of Jesus. We memorized 1 Peter, a couple of verses last year. Remember that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I think some of us don't remember what it was like before we were born again, when we were still dead. You were dead once, but through his resurrection, you were born again to a living hope. We went from death to life because of the resurrection. So Jesus really rose. It is amazing. It is astonishing. And it's astonishing and amazing, not just because a dead person rose, but because what his resurrection accomplished on our behalf. We are new people. When Jesus died, we died. So we don't fear death. When Jesus rose, we rose. And we rose to new life and to freedom. His death was our death. His resurrection was our resurrection. And so may we be astonished by this. May we be amazed at this. And we have a commitment to you, Tyler, Jordan, and I do, that this coming year, you will hear us every Sunday remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that Jesus died and he rose so that you can have confidence that God is for you and not against you. You can have confidence that no matter what you did in the past week, your sins have all been forgiven, and you can have 100% confidence in the hope of eternal life. So we're committed. Jordan, we're committed, right? Committed. You're going to hear the gospel from us every Sunday, 2023, to remind you Jesus really rose from the dead. And it's going to be easy for us to do that because, point number two, all scripture is about Jesus, <laughs> It's all about him. And so this year, I mean, it says in verse, let's just look at it. I'm not making it up. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So there's stuff in all the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, that are about Jesus. They concern 
Jesus. In verse 44, Jesus says it again. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So we're promising you that we're not going to go through the book of Genesis when we get back to it and tell you to be like Joseph. We're not going to do it. It's not a book of morals. It's not a book of financial planning for the new year or bettering yourselves. This book is a record of God's redeeming plan to rescue you for eternity. It's about him bringing you back to God through Jesus. And so sermon after sermon in the new year will revolve around Jesus. So be ready. Anticipate it. Look for it. And as you embark on a new reading plan for the new year, Maybe you'll choose to do the one that we're going to do together as a church family. What do you look for when you're reading? You look for Jesus. You look for glimpses of Jesus, foreshadowings of Jesus in the Old Testament. You look for how Jesus' life and his, his resurrection, his ascension play a part into your everyday life. You look to him. We want to hunt to find the treasures of Christ in the word of God. And as we do that, we will change we will grow. We memorized 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think two years ago. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image. That's where the transformation comes from. You behold him, you change. Right? So what do we do in the new year? Tyler Jordan and I preach messages from this book about Jesus. So you'll behold him and you'll be set free from sin. And if you haven't noticed, sin really sucks. It messes with us. And as you read on your own, read and keep looking for Jesus and behold him because it changes us. It transforms us. And if that's what this book is all about, then we read until we see him. We read until we behold him. So I think what we need to do in 2023 is behold more of Jesus and behold more of him more often. That's what I want. I want, I want to, if I could compare, which is very hard to do, 2022 to 2023, I'd love to be able to say to everybody at the end of 2023 that I beheld Jesus more in 2023 than in 2022. That I saw him, I knew him, I enjoyed him, and my life as a result was tra- changed. It was transformed as a result of spending time with him and seeing him more clearly. We talk about this often, but we really do. We want to know more about who Jesus is, what he has done, what he's doing right now, and what he will do one day. And all of those realities are meant to inform our lives day in and day out. And everywhere in God's word, we should see things about Jesus that will bring transformation to our lives. So Jesus rose from the dead. We have his word. It's about him and we look for him in it. But number three, we also need to realize that we need him if we're going to understand what we read. I don't, I don't know if you, knew, if you believe that. If you've read the Bible a lot in your life, I think sometimes we can just pick it up and start reading without pausing for a moment and realizing that unless Jesus opens my eyes, Unless Jesus opens my mind, I'm not going to catch what he wants me to catch. 
So there's a dependence on Jesus in this passage. We see it in verse 31. It says he opened their eyes. So, so they're, they're hearing the truths of the Old Testament about Jesus, but there's nothing happening. You ever been there? <laughs> like, I know it's in here somewhere, but I don't see it. It says he opened their eyes. In verse 45, it says he opened their minds. I mean, even today, if you are a born-again believer of Jesus, you still need to have your eyes and your minds opened when you read his word. Now, we know this is living and it's active, right? It is breathed out by God. So when I preach, I'm not trying to make it living or make it active. And when you're reading, you're not trying to make it living. You're trying to, we're trying to make it active. All you're doing is asking Jesus to show you how living and active it really is already. And we need him to open our eyes to see that. We need him to stir in us in order for us to see who he is and what he is doing so we'll experience it. And so often on a Sunday, I'll pray that God will help us, even just as we read his word, that we'd understand it, that the Spirit would open our minds to understand it. And then we want to understand it, then we also want to believe it, right? Because you can understand it, but not really believe it. And then in a sense where the believing has to turn to loving, right? I can leave it, I can believe it, yeah, I believe it. But it's different for me to believe it and then go, yeah, I love it. I love what it says. So I want to understand it, and God to help me understand it, and to believe it, and then to love it, and then for me to live it out, for me to apply it, for it to become part of my life, however God wants it to be a part of. And so this book is alive, it is active, and we need God to work. And, and when Jesus ascended, he sent his spirit. So a, a verse that's in your notes that I've not spent much time studying until this week, where it talks about the spirit opening our minds. So it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we need him to help us to understand what he's already given to us. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. This is Paul speaking, but taught by the Spirit. And the Spirit is interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That's a, that verse has a lot in it. The bottom line is you and I need the Spirit's activity if we're going to understand and believe and love and live what his word says. So there's the encouragement. When you, when you open his word on your own, when you open his word with others, be looking for Christ and asking for his help to understand everything so we don't miss what God wants us to see. We also talk a lot of church about speaking Jesus to one another, right? Bringing something about Jesus into each other's lives to help each other to not just grab a hold of generic truths, but truths that are connected to who he is, right? Because we're, we're Christians. Our lives are about Christ. And so this coming year, I pray for even more growth in that. So husbands and wives, when we see our spouses struggling with issues, whether it has to do with money or health or parenting or sickness or depression, may we be so beholding Jesus that we're able to bring to them something about who he is that'll bring encouragement. May we as parents know specific things about Jesus' character 
what he did while he was on earth, what he's doing now, what he'll do in the future, that we can connect it to our kids' lives, to their relationships, to their sports, to their school, to their temptations. So there's, there's an outworking of our beholding Jesus that impacts those in our lives. May we, in our groups of three, as we seek to review and apply Sunday message after Sunday message, sometimes I feel like there's too many and they come too fast. And I can't apply them fast enough. May we know how to identify Jesus in the passage and then bring it into our lives. Bring it into our groups of three and learn how to, how to apply who Jesus is in those passages to each other's lives as we review and apply his word. This book, it is about Jesus. And we need the Spirit's power to help us to be able to apply it in ways that will please him. Lastly, fourth little thing in this story is this. We want to read and we want to see Jesus, the resurrected Christ, so our hearts will burn within us. I love that verse. I love that verse. Look with me at verse 32. This could just be the summary of the whole sermon, I guess. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures. There are different moments in redemptive history that I would love to be able to be present, like dip down in there for a moment. This is probably near the top five. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have been there? As Jesus opens up the scriptures, starts telling you everything that's in there about him. And the result for them is the resurrected Christ causes their hearts to burn within them as they read the scripture. Do you dream about that? Like, man, every time I open this in the coming year, I hope my heart burns within me. In the Greek, it literally means set on fire. May, may my heart be set on fire as I open his word. I mean, you kind of fit this passage again, you realize that when the word of God collides with the spirit of God, look out, right? Hearts burn when that happens. Hearts ignite with passion for Jesus. Souls are set on fire for Christ. You will be amazed and you'll marvel at Jesus when his word and his spirit meet one another in power in your heart. Hope and peace will arise. Love for God and others will come alive. Disciple-making will become unstoppable. God's priorities will become your priorities. I mean, it all happens through the collision of the Spirit, really, and the Word of God in our lives. So may that be the case. May that happen for us. I've told this story before, but it was a long time ago, so you probably don't remember. When I was a kid growing up, we, I remember we got our first propane barbecue turn the gas on, light the thing up. And I can remember like when we first got it because it was, you know, it's old school was the charcoal system. This is the new modern way. Maybe it's not so cool. And, and we got one and we started using it. And my dad always said, you know, make sure that if you turn the gas on and you hit the ignite button and nothing happens after a while, shut the gas off. Don't leave the gas on and keep trying to click the button because gas is going to fill the air. So being the smart teenager that I am, of course I listened to him. So when we got married, Three or four years into our marriage, we got our first propane gas barbecue. I assembled it successfully, I'm sure, lifted the lid up, turned the gas, and I began to click, click, click. You know, you pop the popper, pop, pop, 
and nothing's happening. And I'm like, yeah, what is wrong with this thing? And so I think, well, I can smell gas, so the problem must be the spark. So I stuck my head in under the grill head so I could see if there was a spark. Yeah, I saw it. (laughs) Click one, no spark. Click two, spark. All I heard was that poof, pow kind of sound. And then I, you know, you know how you react to that. You you back up and put your hands up. And my first thought was, I'm blind. Blind, I'm never going to see again. Okay, good, I can see. And then I was like, man, what is that smell? (laughs) Eyebrows gone, eyelashes gone, all the hair in the front gone. And I think I was just about assessing the situation when you came out the back door. Like, what's happening? Nothing. Everything's fine. Everything's under control. Fire's lit. We're good. Fire and spark. Fire and spark. Gas and spark. The word and the spirit. The word and the spirit. Same thing. We need both. We need the word and we need the spirit. We need to know what's true. Absolutely true from God's word. It needs to meet the spirit of the living God and his power so that there'll be an ignition in our hearts. Our hearts will actually burn within us. And so really, every sermon at the end, the goal is a burning heart for Jesus. The goal of every group of three, when you review and apply God's word, is that your heart would burn for the spirit of God. The goal of every time you spend alone with God is that your heart would burn for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The goal of every time you read to your children in the new year is that our hearts, your hearts with them, will burn for the Trinity. So often our hearts can burn for so many other things. May this year, may we learn how to identify when our heart is burning for something other than Jesus, and may we be able to quickly divert it to want our hearts to burn more for him than anything else in the new year. So Jesus rose from the dead. This book tells us that it's all about him. We need his spirit to help us in the new year so that our hearts will then burn and ignite with fresh zeal for him. I want to to end this, and we're going to sing another song or two, by reading to you from Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 is a passage about our hearts and how our hearts are to burn red hot for Jesus. And so this is a a good place. We're told in the book of Revelation, just reading this book brings blessing. And so I just want to read to you from chapter 3, Revelation, beginning in verse 14. You guys may know this This is written to the church. This is not written to the people who are not lovers of Jesus. This is written to people who who claim to love Christ. And I just want to read this over us and pray that we would heed the warning and grab a hold of the encouragement that's here in this passage. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And this is Jesus speaking. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing. But it just sounds like my days too often. I'm rich. 
I've prospered. I really don't need anything. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me pray. Oh, Spirit, I pray that you would help us to hear what you're saying to this church in Laodicea. God, I pray that you would help us to be zealous and to repent. I pray you would help us to hear you knocking at the door and that we would be eager for you to come in and eat with us and for us to eat with you. And then whatever things we need to repent of in order to experience that, that we would repent. Jesus, I pray that we would be humble in this coming year, realizing that we really are wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked, but that you offer us, by the power of your blood, everything we need to be rich, to be clothed in white garments, and to have the shame of our nakedness taken away. And so thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we come to you so that we can live out these verses in Revelation, I pray, Spirit, that we would find Jesus and see Jesus more vividly and clearly every time we open your word. And I pray that as we do that, our hearts would ignite with, on fire with fresh zeal and joy for you. I pray that we'd be transformed and set more free from our sin as a result of beholding Christ. And may we, God, even though it may be difficult to do, may something in our souls next year this time know that we encountered Jesus, the risen Jesus. We saw him more clearly. We loved him more. We walked with him more closely in 2023 than we did in 2022. God, may that be true for us. So Spirit, come. We, we dedicate this year to you, and we pray that you would move in mighty ways in our hearts, that our hearts would be soft and tender, ready to listen and do all that you command us. May we do this for your fame, for your glory, and for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.